I'm Pat Healy from Los Angeles, California. Hi, I'm Matt from St. Louis, Missouri. I'm David Holland from Linwood, Kansas. The Sound of Young America is an independent production supported by listeners like me. If you'd like to support the show like I did, visit MaximumFun.org and click on Donate. Production of The Sound of Young America is underwritten in part by Ask Metafilter. Thousands of life's little questions answered. Online at ask.metafilter.com. I'm Jesse Thorne. Live on tape from my house in Los Angeles, it's The Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org and PRI, Public Radio International. It's The Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. Once a month or so, we like to check in with our culture-obsessed pals at the AV Club to find out what culture gems we might have missed. Um, This time around, I'm joined by uh, AV Club head writer Nathan Rabin and associate editor Tasha Robinson. Nathan, Tasha, welcome to The Sound of Young America. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks for having us. It's great to be here. It's a pleasure. Um, Nathan, let's get straight into the movies. Uh, You are all about um, dark comedies that may have been overlooked this time around. Um, How about Extract? Mike Judge rose to fame on the back of his bodiest creation, Beavis and Butthead, but a lot of the films that and uh, products that he's best known for these days are a little bit quieter, like uh, King of the Hill and uh, especially Office Space. Um, e- Extract was uh, much more like Office Space than it is like Beavis and Butthead. Let's hear a scene from the film. You know, sexual frustration is really hard. But I may have a solution. What? You need to take some Xanax. Xanax? Isn't that for anxiety? It's good for all psychological problems in the DSM-IV. Xanax basically just makes you feel good. That's why it works for everything. I take it for the common head cold. I think it would work great for sexual frustration. Want me to get you some? No, I don't. You know what else is good? Hmm. Codeine cough syrup. For what? It's just good. Now, Nathan, I found myself uh, watching Extract in the theater and laughing um, uh, uh, uncomfortably loudly, much louder than the other people in the theater were laughing. Uh, it sounds like maybe you too enjoyed it more than some of the other people sitting around you. I did. I did indeed. Um, it, Mike Judge is interesting in that, as you kind of pointed out, he kind of has these two sides to his uh, sort of persona, one of which is sort of this observational slice of life, a very wry droll. And then the other is just being the sort of savage social uh, satirist, which we kind of saw in Beavis and Butthead and also in Idiocracy. So we're definitely seeing the more milticoast. God, I probably uh, destroyed that word. Uh, aside of Mike Judge here. And yeah, it is a very, very funny, very finely observed film that <laughs> from a structural and filmmaking perspective is just a goddamn mess. I mean, it is just kind of goes nowhere. It lurches. <laughs> it has serious third act problems. But I, it won me over to such an extent by that point that I didn't mind the fact that it kind of goes no, it, it takes you on an enjoyable ride to nowhere. That is what extract is all about. Tasha Robinson, uh, let's talk about um, uh, a, a wrenching film. Um, Julia, uh, in this in this movie, uh, Tilda Swinton plays an alcoholic who uh, is manic and wild and goes on a bit of a crime crime spree. 
Uh, let's hear a clip from the film. Did you uh, take care of your rent check? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Really? Because I spoke to your landlord, and he didn't get a thing. Well, I put it in an envelope. Maybe I forgot <sighs> to mail it. Is this about your money, Mitch? Because I'm going to pay you back every penny. How? You just got fired. We are warning you. If you do not stick to our arrangement. What? And go to the meetings. What happens? Lose my number. So basically, Tasha, I have found that I have had to uh, forswear completely the um, uh, the genre of film, which I would loosely call um, uh, horrifying descent into dot, dot, dot. <laughs> I think you're talking about films that my mother would call. Why do you like depressing movies so much, Tasha? <laughs> you know, so why did you like this depressing movie so much? Tasha? I, I was I guess I was prepared to not like it. What I'd been told was that it was this very John Cassavetes drama, you know, where you're watching uh, watching this alcoholic woman disintegrate. Um, what I was also told, but still wasn't nearly as prepared for, especially by the first for the first 10 minutes of the movie or so, which do just have that very raw John Cassavetes film feeling. Um, was the fact that it's not only is it funny, it's very exciting. I mean, it's it's really kind of a crime caper, except that there's only one person engaging in the crime caper. Um, Tilda Swinton, I'm actually, I'm a huge fan of, and yet at the same time, I've gotten kind of sick of her over the years because she always plays the same character. You know, she's always called upon to play the the remote, stiff, unapproachable ice queen. And it's like every tiny bit of energy or or passion or frustration she's built up over the last 20 years of you know playing the ice queen in narnia and the ice queen in michael clayton and the ice queen in benjamin button she throws into this movie and it's such a delight to see her just completely cut loose nathan let's get back to your uh cavalcade of dark comedy with perhaps the darkest of dark comedies um Bobcat Goldthwait is probably best known for his uh, screeching stage persona that he uh, utilized in the Police Academy films. But I I can say he he was a guest on The Sound of Young America a few years ago and just could not have been more uh, interesting and funny and pleasant and non-screeching. And he's decided to take all of these skills in his toolbox and apply them uh, to making films and not just films, but some of the darkest comedies you can possibly imagine. His last film was about uh, uh, bestiality. It was a bestiality comedy. And uh, his most recent film uh, is called World's Greatest Dad. It stars Robin Williams as a father who is hilariously, I guess, exploiting his son's suicide. Uh, Let's hear a scene from the film. My name is Lance Clayton. My biggest fear in life is that I'm going to end up all alone. I'm a writer. I'm a writer, but so far nothing I've written has ever been published. Ernest Hemingway once said all he wanted to do was write one true sentence. He also tried to scratch an itch in the back of his head with a shotgun. So, Nathan, it seems like this is pretty much the blackest of the black. Um, What did you like about it? Well, I think uh, Bobcat Goldwaith has emerged as a really, really fascinating filmmaker. Uh, this was very much, uh, to use a phrase that my old editor, Stephen Thompson, hated, of a piece uh, with Sleeping Dogs Lie. And while the plot of Sleeping Dogs Lie turns on an act of bestiality, as all good films do, <laughs> um, it's not really a film about bestiality. <laughs> you know, there aren't, you know, 45-minute-long uh, you know scenes of, of those shenanigans going on. What it really is is kind of this exploration of trust and and 
and how well do we know the people uh, that we love? Do we want to know them better? Are there things that are just best left unsaid? Are there things that you know people might lie or hide that might actually be for the best? And this uh, <laughs> ostensibly turns on an act of uh, autoerotic asphyxiation that goes horribly, horribly awry. Of course, nobody ever hears about the acts of autoerotic asphyxiations that go wonderfully, wonderfully right. Um, so it kind of uses this idea of a father who wants to be a brilliant writer, who wants to inspire people, but who has never had any success whatsoever. And he has this just horrible, belligerent, angry, profane son who dies at 15. And uh, Robin Williams' character kind of sees this opportunity to validate his son's existence and to transform him from who he was, which was a horrible, horrible human being, into kind of this icon of, of teen saintliness. Tasha, let's talk about a movie that went in and out of theaters without me even noticing just noticing it, despite starring uh, uh, one of the most charming actors out there and a guy who went to my high school, School of the Arts in San Francisco, Sam Rockwell. Um, this is the relatively low-budget sci-fi film Moon, which uh, not only stars Sam Rockwell, but stars Sam Rockwell uh, alongside a robot, which is pretty much the, the greatest formula for a film I've ever heard of. Um, let's hear a clip from the movie. Hey, Gertie. Gertie. You got a... Good morning, Sam. You got a live one on Mark. I'm going to go out now and rope her in. Okay, Sam. So, Tasha, you don't you see a lot of uh, uh, low-budget sci-fi at your local Cineplex. Um, what works so well about Moon? You really don't see much science fiction at all at your local Cineplex, if you think about it. What you see is a whole lot of space fantasy. You see space westerns. You see, you know, space thrillers, whatever, that just happen to be set in space. Moon is one of the first science fiction movies I, I feel like I've seen in a long time, possibly since Solaris. It's got a very chilly feel to it um, that's actually familiar from films like Solaris in 2001. Uh, but more, more to the point, it has ideas. It has ideas and science. And I, we all know, you know how much the American public loves ideas and science <laughs> and thinking. Um, it's not like it's a difficult film to approach. Um, it's more like uh, people who liked the first half of uh, Danny Boyle's Sunshine and then were disappointed in the end when it suddenly disintegrated into uh, a slasher film in space, I think would really enjoy Moon. Um, Sam Rockwell uh, plays this guy who's, as far as he knows, alone on the moon, um, serving out a three-year... I want to say a three-year sentence because that's a little bit what it feels like. But he's serving out a three-year term um, operating moon mining equipment, which is about, as you might imagine, the most boring job in the world. But apparently it pays really well if you're willing to go up there. And he's getting pretty close to the end of his term, and then things happen uh, that he's not really quite sure how to interpret. I found it just revelatory. Um, it's made. It was made by uh, Duncan Jones, um, who is actually David Bowie's son, and it's his first film. Um, and for you know somebody's first film to be this accomplished, this in control of tone, this in control of the the actors, Sam Rockwell does a, a terrific job. Um, the robot is actually voiced by Kevin Spacey, who also you know does a very very entertaining, very funny job with a very uh, straight faced character. Um, and it's just it's one of those tiny little stories that unfolds very slowly, very deliberately, very thoughtfully, and leaves you in a place that you really didn't expect to be when you started. Well, uh, Tasha Robinson, uh, Nathan Rabin from the AV Club, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the San Diego America. Thanks for having us. Always a pleasure. 
You can catch Extract, Julia, World's Greatest Dad, and Moon on DVD. And you can read Nate and Tasha's writings every week in the AV Club online at avclub.com.